You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to be joined by Imam Ibrahim Habash, the um, uh, Imam uh, at the Masjid al-Rahmah and the newest member, I think, of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you. Imam Thank Ibrahim, you. welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm really excited to speak with the people and the people listening to uh, a voice uh, from Middle East (laughs) or the voice of uh, Islam. Uh, I'm really glad to uh, meet you all. Thank you. <coughs> well, let me start with um, with an easy question, I guess. Of the, of the three Abrahamic faiths, Islam is clearly the least well understood in the West. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps the most obvious place to start is how would you explain Islam? What is Islam at its core? Thank you. Uh, Islam is can be summarized with one verse from the Quran, which God says to Muhammad, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We send you only as a mercy for all mankind. So Islam is a mercy for all. As a mercy for all, it is, uh, Islam means the peace, and also it means the same word, which means the to surrender to God's willing. Salam means surrender, or salam means the peace, or to be peaceful or to treat people with peace regardless to their religion, regardless to their color, regardless to anything. To treat people as gods like you, to treat them with peace and uh, tranquility. This, this verse that you mentioned, we send you only as a mercy for all mankind. Can you go further with that? What does that mean to be a mercy for all, for all humanity? It is as a mercy for all, which means to follow the direction of God, to follow the direction which God ordained and God demand. As he, as he Allah, we call it Allah in Arabic or mm-hmm. God, as he demands all the prophets and messengers with the same message and the same order <coughs> that to worship God alone and to be good to the people and treat people equally with justice. And, and I guess the question comes then, if, if the mercy is to encourage the direction that God ordained, what about those who don't believe in God? Or what about those who believe in God but in a very different way to Islam? What, what does that mean for you as a Muslim? Well... They are in the way to know their God because God created us to know him. That it is also an ayah in a verse in the Quran. We call it ayah. Mm-hmm. It, it says we created human being just to know God, the Almighty, to recognize him, to recognize Allah, to recognize as God, as the, <coughs> the one who domains everything and the one who owns everything. So those who doesn't believe in God, they are in their way to believe in him sooner or later. So he says in uh, Quran as example, uh, 
you may know God as he merciful, as he compassionate one, as he is the uh, kindly one in your lifetime. If you don't know him that way and you got the clear message and you did not follow or you did not care, then you will be accountable in the hereafter, which is a main principle in Islam, that it is there are two episodes, this life and a hereafter, exactly as it is in the Christianity and the Jewish uh, principle and theology. We have uh, something called dunya. Dunya means the, this life and hereafter means the life to come. The other life, the second life is everlasting life and you will never die there. But you will be recompensed if you've done good. Also, anyone who deny, not the one who doesn't know, the one who deny the truth will be punished. That is the principle of all uh, theologies, I think. Well, <clears throat> I mean, we have to just focus on, on yours because there's so many differing ones and different expressions of differing faiths. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I always find difficult is the idea of compensation for good in an afterlife. Mm -hmm. And the reason I, I find that difficult is because my hope would always be that someone does good just because it is good. And if we believe that there is going to be a reward in the hereafter, are we really doing good or are we just tipping the scales in our favor because we want the, our second life to be much better? So I guess what I'm well, asking is, mm -hmm. is it really good if we know there's going to be a reward? Because if we know there's going to be a reward, then doesn't the natural selfish inclination come in and say, well, I need to do this for my own account? First of all, you have to do good to live good, <laughs> to be uh, acceptable by people. All right. The second, you have to do good because you, you will wish for the great reward in hereafter. So doing good is not only for the hereafter. To be a good citizen, to be a good person, to treat the people well, then the people will treat you well. But all of these, all of what we counter in our life, is nothing but an example of what will happen in the next life. Like a court here, it means there will be a court there. Like a police catch you with a speeding ticket, <laughs> it means you are violating the law and you will be judged here and you will take a, a fine. Also the same way in the hereafter when you do wrong and you did not turn back to God or ask forgiveness or get the redemption or get the salvation, whatever, then you will be uh, in big trouble as exactly as the, this life repeated over there uh, in uh, police-wise or in uh, court-wise or a law to be practiced. So the best and the first we have, to law, we have to follow the law of God, which how do we know the law of God except through the messages he sent via Noah, Moses, uh, Abraham, and all prophets, including Jesus and Muhammad. So, so many questions. This is so wonderful for me. I, I, mm -hmm. I love this. Um, on our high holy days in Judaism, we have very strong imagery that is similar of a court and judgment. And I would say, um, quite fairly, I think a lot of people are moving away from that metaphor because they focus more. Um, they find it difficult, I would say, to imagine a loving God 
to to judge them so negatively um, in the sense that I guess this comes back to the whole nature versus nurture debate. Mm -hmm. If someone is just a bad person through and through, one can understand that they um, one can one can understand that they that they get some sort of judgment. Mm -hmm. um, but if they if they were brought up in another faith tradition or if they were brought up just just in a different culture, then then how can they be judged for something that if they, for example, if they were a good person, but they just didn't believe in Allah, is that is that a problem? Should they be judged negatively for that? We believe that God will never, ever judge anybody negatively. Ah, because whenever God says your action is destined already, decreed already, he would mention at the end, even Bible or in the Quran, he mentioned the word that he is the wise and he is the just one. Never be injustice. Never be, never be unjust. So that will, will give us a good idea that no way for you to think uh, of something uh, uh, better than God is thinking or better better than his judgment. Mm -hmm. So that is the first and last. Yes, we are talking to some people who doesn't believe in God, but that that what they need for this session or for this uh, 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 media or the other to know that there is God first and last. Then we may speak about the teaching of God, but if somebody doesn't believe in God anyway, he would think that God is uh, a wrath God mm -hmm. or he is the, the one who uh, doesn't uh, care. But the reality is different. Like an example in the Quran, 114 chapters, all of them start with this statement in the name of God, the universally merciful, right. the exclusively merciful, the compassionate, the kindly one. So how come the kindly one, the universally merciful, he had, he had uh, a special mercy for special ones. He would be unjust or he would be the angry God all the time. That is not appropriate. And those who worship God because they scare of hell hmm. are less level, are not the one who worship God because he or she loves him. That's big different. That's big different. So, so I, I guess it's part of your answer that, that it's about love, not fear. A hundred percent. Yes. And that's very interesting because, of course, throughout the history of religion, there has often been from many different faith perspectives mm -hmm. that sense of obedience through fear. Mm -hmm. And at first, it did sound like you were saying that when you were talking about a judgment in the end of our lives, because that is something to be fearful of, it seems. But you're suggesting this is more a balancing of love? Yes. What, what, the, what the purpose of the court and the judgment? Does it mean to punish the person or to make all others uh, happy and, and live uh, in peace and, and justice? What is the purpose of the court? What is the purpose of all of this? Yes, to punish the one who uh, do the wrong, extremely wrong, hurting society, doing something wrong. Yes, but it, it, the final purpose or the uh, main goal is to make the society happy. Is that right? Or right. <laughs> right. So in which case then, then what we have is, I mean, at the beginning when you said, you know, it's like the police, 
but it's it's not entirely like the police then is it 100% yes because yes. because in fact the police if you are if you break the law there's this punitive response which is appropriate that's how societies mm. function and don't descend into anarchy but at the same time what you're saying is uh, what i'm hearing at least is that this judgment is one of love that that helps guide the rest of society would that be correct that's what i meant exactly so the judgment or the final uh, uh, destiny and all of this it is for our happiness and if you search the quran as example you will find like uh, only 20 or 30 verses talking about the punishment or the severe punishment or so but you will find more than 500 verses talking about love talking about to come to God God loves those who turn to him God loves those who loves the other God loves those who uh, take care of the other those verses in the Quran are much 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 more than the other but when we were talking about the concept of the hereafter then we brought this for the wrongdoing ones, not for all humanity. <laughs> That's the point. So Thank you for clearing that. that I this appreciate is, uh, this that. This is fascinating <laughs> to hear. We're going to hold this um, this discussion. We're going to take a, a quick break. After we return, I want to um, also follow on. You mentioned about how do we know God if mm-hmm. not through the prophets, and, and that's definitely something I, I want to explore. All right. So we'll come back after our break. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Uh, my guest this evening, uh, Imam Ibrahim Habash from the Masjid al-Rahma. We're back listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from <coughs> Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Imam Ibrahim Habash from the uh, Masjid al-Rahma uh, and also a member of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance. And before the break, we were talking about the life before and the life after and, um, and God's love, particularly. You focus very strongly on God's love. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned something I really wanted to ask about. You said, how do we know God other than through the prophets? And and I guess I want to bounce that question back in the sense that is it possible to know God without direction from prophets or anything like that? Can we intuit God? Can can we work out in and of ourselves this is God and this is what God wants of me? Or do we need to be told? Well, we may know God and we may convince that God exists scientifically or in uh, emotionally or some kind of uh, of life we are living but the point the second point how do we know what god's direction how do you know how to live without receiving a clear message or messages from god so god chose to hire some good people moses abraham jesus muhammad he hires them as they were the best on the earth and they will be the best on the heavens. He hired them and sent them, Gabriel, to give them the message. So, yes, we may know God by our soul, by our uh, uh, intellect, by uh, all. But how do we know what he wants us to do? So this is, a story, uh, this is what we said in, said in, uh, in, uh, in our tradition says uh, there are a billion ways to know God mm. as many as as the number of the breathing of all creatures ah. as many as the leaves of the trees you may catch one tree's leaves then put it under microscope 
and you will find every cell in it. It looks like more complicated than, than Santa Fe City entirely. Right. Then you will know that there is a God. But in this leaves doesn't have any in- instruction how to go with your life. Where is the manual user? You have the machine, but where is the manual user? <laughs> but doesn't uh, now now you've really uh, I, I really want to explore this because doesn't a leaf naturally know what to do? You know, when an animal is born, doesn't it know it comes out and it immediately starts walking? It doesn't need to be told or shown, you know, and, and the leaf, I think, is a really good example because it's life. Of course, it's it's not the same kind of life, I would say, as as human life with, in terms of rational mm-hmm. thought and expression of will. But at the same time, it doesn't need to be told what to do, I guess, in God's presence. It just does it because that's what it senses is right. So therefore, couldn't we take the lesson from that leaf and say, I similarly, I don't need to be told how to lead a good life. I just know. Could we do that? Yeah, but, uh, well, you just uh, explain what I say. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to know God is very easy. The leaves of the tree knows God. Oh, any, any, okay. uh, but the point is uh, there are some instruction we have to receive to go on. So the leaves, as we mentioned, and all animals are not accountable. Right. Are just live to die. They live uh, to serve something, to uh, contribute the uh, cycle of the echo of the uh, natural. But we have we are different. So we so we need instruction. Whereas life just life knows God and lives in the presence of God. We need that. You're saying yes, because He gave us an option. He he did not give that option to any animals or to any leaves or something, but he gave an option. He gave us a big option. We may uh, go to the level above the angels, and we may go down to a level uh, lower than devils. So all of this is available for the human being. And as we are living daily life, we may... uh, uh, improve ourselves to engineer a doctor, then we may improve ourselves to uh, a life sentence. Right. (laughs) So this choice needs some some kind of instruction, some kind of uh, teaching how you will uh, go to believe and not to believe, to treat this one, not to do, to kill or not to kill, all of this under the construction, under the instruction. So I guess guess what that leads me to is Obviously, there are a number of very close similarities between Islam and Judaism. Mm -hmm. But I'd say one difference, even though there are theological similarities, I think there's a difference in the way that we approach theology. Um, You know, Islam, you were saying before, um, includes that that understanding of peace, but also that understanding of submission. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And in Judaism... We're often called the people of Israel, not the country, but, but, you know, descendants of Israel. And Yisrael means to struggle with God. And so I guess there's quite a profound difference between struggling with God and submitting to God. And, and I wonder, how, how would you explain to someone like me, someone who struggles with God, how would you explain to me the value of submission to God? Mm-hmm. The word you what you just mentioned, struggling with God, which means like you are struggle to please Him or struggle no. to 
to struggle to know what do I do in God's presence? How do I live in God's presence? Which is different to what you were saying when you were saying it's there. We, we receive the instruction because for me, when I open up a sacred text, I am, the way I read it is immediately reflective of myself. And I can turn around and say, my rabbi taught me this and, and his rabbi taught him this and, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. so on. But so there can be a chain of authority that says, here is how you read scripture. But in Judaism, we tend to be extremely creative with our scriptural interpretation and we fill in gaps and we create what are called midrashim, which are these extra stories that clearly aren't in the text, but could have been if you read it a certain way. So I don't struggle to please God. I struggle to know what God wants of me. I struggle to know who is God or who am I in the face of God. So so that's or, or I, I struggle even with with a text that says, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean exactly? Who is my neighbor? How do I show love? Do I show love without, you know, without limits? Do I actually show love so long as there are certain limits? So that's the struggle for me. It's the, it's the interpretive struggle. So, so, so what's the difference between that and the submissive, this is what God wants? So the submissive as to submit to the will of God, yes. But it doesn't mean whatsoever to take the option from you or to take the uh, um, opportunities which is giving to you, right? Submission to God, just to believe that God had decreed everything mm-hmm. and he had uh, destined everything. But the point is uh, what it was destined for you and what it was decreed for you, you don't know it. Mm-hmm. So you have to struggle uh, in your life to avoid all kind of sins, to struggle more, to please God, and to, so there are two kinds of knowledge, the knowledge who gods know and the knowledge who we know. Mm-hmm. We know that we are in this life and we have many options and we have many ways. And it is actually the same strategy, what you said, we have the verse, then we interpret it or take it in some way to make sense as a logic way to live our life, to go on. And that's exactly what we have in the Quran and the Hadith, we call it. So it is strict direction, look like a border. Mm-hmm. But within this border, there are many rooms to go within, to flexibility to go on, and so, and so, and so, and so. Like what you just mentioned, uh, you did not mention, but example, let's say about the, uh, what they call it, like a jihad. Okay, example right, okay. Is, is a big issue and how, how it sure. will work. So the main issue in the Quran says, uh, whosoever kill an innocent person as he kills the entire mankind. So in, in this case, clearly that no way, no permission for anyone to go on and do something. So that is a border. Right. Then you are within the border. If somebody killed, then that's a different story. If, so, if some people attack you, that is a different story. So the, uh, the options or the instructions goes within a border, not to go beyond the border. But because just because we are a human being, we have these uh, options. Others, they don't have. A lion want to kill, want right. to live, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have. <laughs> but we, we have many choices and many uh, uh, 
border we have to live with. I hope I answered the I, question. You did. But maybe. You did very, no, very nicely. But yeah. now you've definitely brought me to a, another point, which is in Judaism, we have a saying, whoever takes one life is as though they have taken, whoever kills a person is as though they've killed the whole world. That's exact word in the Quran. But when yeah. you said, you said an innocent person mm-hmm. and that we don't have that, that nuance in our tradition. And so I'm wondering who defines who's innocent? The innocent is a, a good question, but who <laughs> defined it? That defined it is very easy. Innocent is innocent. Prove innocent. You cannot kill him, and you cannot uh, have any trouble with him. That that's uh, that's obvious. But, but does that mean, for example, can can a Muslim serve as a soldier in the army? Um, because if they're defending, for example, their state, they don't have time to learn. This person in the opposing army, are they innocent or are they not? Yeah, well, this is a different story here we are going to. But uh, uh, as long as you are a good citizen and live in the country and believe in the principle of the country which you are living here, you have to abide with its, with its law. Right. All right. That And if something wrong happened, it's not your responsibility because the responsi- it is the responsibility of the commander right. or the foreign policy or whatever. But it is not the responsibility of the individual unless if it is very clear to him that uh, he was assigned to, uh, God forbid, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to attack or so. Then he may uh, or she may uh, use her own, his own judgment that to do it or not. That's clearly when 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 I right. don't want to got go you. to uh, no I, I, I got it no that's a lovely answer <laughs> yeah, I, I really different. appreciate that yeah and, and interesting that you mention again and and it's lovely being able to draw out these similarities between our faith when you say you know you have to observe the law of the land in Judaism that that phrase is dina malchuta dina the law of the land is law mm-hmm. um, and so and so I guess for us we fit our Jewish practice around the laws of the state. Because we understand that, you know, if we are to live in a state, then we need to make sure that we are law-abiding citizens. Is the same? Is it the same with Islam that that you fit the laws around the state, or is it the hope that we can develop the state according to religious tradition? No, it is. It is the same as you are living in the state or in a certain area which you uh, talk allegiance or you talk an oath. You have to abide with your oath. The, uh, that that what must be, but if somebody want not to uh, follow the law or did not apply the law, then he has the option to uh, find another country, right. <laughs> but not to not to sit in my lab and uh, snatch my beard. Right, it cannot do it. <laughs> well, I, and I find that very interesting, just in terms of a, a religious perspective. And, and just as we start to wrap up now, um, I, I wonder. What does it mean for us, uh, particularly what does it mean for you as a Muslim to be able to say my, my faith adapts to the society in which I find myself? What does that say to you, I guess, about the openness of Islam mm-hmm. and, and what Islam is to you in the, in the final yeah. minute? It's not my faith adapt to the society. My faith, I will practice my faith with the border and with the vast uh, flexibility of the border of Islam. That's what it is. So some take it very narrow. It will be hard on them, hard on the people, and cannot survive. Others should learn and should 
uh, other are learned people, they will not go wrong because they know that there are a lot of flexibility and a lot of room to study. And the, in the Quran, it says very clearly, it says very clearly, uh, ask the people who knows, the people who, are, who have a knowledge, if you don't know. Don't make the judgment yourself. You have to find a, a teacher. You have to find an imam. You have to find a sheikh. Even if you are a Muslim, it doesn't mean you know entire Islam. If somebody right. is a Jew, it doesn't mean he knows the Juda- uh, Judaism and knows everything. There are some people uh, specialize in this. And you have to, have to follow the specialist one. Otherwise, you will go wrong. <laughs> thank is, you. Thank you so much. This, <laughs> has been, this has been so wonderful. And, and, and thank you for opening up Islam to me. And, sure. and I do hope that you'll be able to return again soon and we can carry on our conversation. Thanks a lot. I'll be glad to. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and my guest, Imam Ibrahim Habash. Uh, until next time, when we return in a few weeks' time, keep searching.